Welcome back to Weathering the Storm, a podcast where we strive to weather the storms of life by placing and sustaining an unwavering faith in God. I'm your host, Drew Suttles, and I'm very, very thankful for the opportunity to be with you today uh, through this avenue of a podcast. Whether you are driving down the road or you're listening at home, whatever the case may be, I appreciate you so much. And I'm thankful that we have this opportunity to spend together and to think about weathering the storm. If you haven't already, go and check out uh, this podcast and others on the Scattered Abroad Network. We have new content coming out every day of the week. So again, I appreciate you checking out this particular one, but but go and check out all of them. Uh, we are striving to get God's Word out to as many souls as possible through this avenue. And so again, uh, I want to encourage you to go and, and to do that. You can find our website, scatteredabroad.org. If you'd like to contact us with any questions or comments, you can email us at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. And so we certainly want you to do that if you uh, have the desire to do so. And we hope and pray that it will benefit you in your walk with the Lord. Again, I thank you for listening to this episode today. We are recording episode 13 of season three of Weathering the Storm on the Scattered Abroad Network. Today we are actually looking at part three of a five-part series on the grief cycle, weathering the storm when you grieve. So far, we've discussed weathering the storm when you uh, grieve in the sense that you uh, uh, go through denial, that first stage. And then our last episode, we talked about the bargaining stage. How can you weather the storm when you go through the bargaining or the what-if stage? And I've shared some very personal things with you, uh, not to throw a pity party or bring attention to me, but rather uh, hopefully to help you with whatever situation you are going through or may go through in the future. So with that, as we come to this third part in the cycle, we come to anger. Weathering the storm when you grieve and you are filled with anger. As we mentioned in the first part of this series, when we talked about denial, this is natural. This is a normal part of the grieving process to be angry. And I want to share this with you, uh, something that I've, I found in my, in my research on this, thinking about the, the emotional response, not being sadness or, or being down and out, but just being upset, being mad, being angry. Uh, this could be being angry with yourself, being angry with the individual who passed away. And for my situation, this is different. You know, I lost my grandmother in 2016, and we were very close. I loved her very much. Spent a lot of time with her growing up. But you know, when she passed away, she died in her sleep. She died of natural causes. Um, kind of like the Bible speaks of, of Abraham who died in a good old age, full of life. That, that, was, that was my grandmother. But you know, that was, it hit me different then than my dad passing away because he doesn't he didn't die of natural causes he he took his own life and so there's a different element um and i've had to try to find balance between trying to understand that he was sick trying to understand that 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 was not really him that he was really trying to get better and doing uh, trying to to find a way to get through all of this and at the same time, it's hard not to be upset and angry with the fact that, that he did that. You know, why couldn't he have 
tried harder. Why couldn't he have taken that medication longer to see if it would have worked? Uh, why did he have to do that? Why did he have to go through with it? So many different thoughts of, of, of anger crept into my mind. I'm trying to get to the place in my mind and in my heart where I'm able to say, I understand it's okay. He was sick. He was hurting. He was struggling. He was ready for it to be done. At the same time, I, I do hate that it, it went that way. But I understand that this anger that I feel sometimes is natural. And so you may be going through the grieving process and you may have anger in your heart. You may be angry with the whole situation. Just understand that is normal. It's natural. But we want to talk about some biblical uh, examples today when people lost loved ones and some of the emotions that they felt and to see that this is human nature. It's natural but to not allow that anger to fester and build up and cause you to sin or cause you to hold a grudge or resentment that will not be healthy for you, that will not help you to move on. In fact, if you allow that anger to hold on and stay with you, it can actually hurt other people. And you can cause other people uh, to go downhill. That may not be your intention at first, but because of that anger, nobody will will want to be around you. And we don't want that as, as Christians, as God's people. So here's something that I found in my research on this stage in the grief cycle of anger. This article says, This stage is common. It usually happens when we feel helpless and powerless. Anger can stem from a feeling of abandonment because of a death or loss. Sometimes we're angry at a higher power, at the doctors who care for a lost loved one or toward life in general. So sometimes you can be mad at the individual. You can be angry at the individual. Sometimes you can be angry at yourself, or angry at uh, someone else for not doing something. But did you notice the first thing that was mentioned there? Sometimes we're angry at a higher power. Dear friends, we must remember that when bad things happen, We are not to turn our back on God because every good and perfect gift comes from Him, James 1.17. If it's bad, if it's evil, that does not come from God. And so let's not blame God. Let's not shake our our, our hands in in a scornful way toward God. Sometimes that is the emotion that one feels. Why did God do this? Why did God allow this to happen? Why did God take my loved one? These are the kind of of, uh, of feelings, emotions that can lead to some big problems. Especially when you allow that anger to fester and it causes you to uh, diminish your faith in God and your trust in Him and your love for Him. So as we think about this concept of of anger, again, it is natural. We have to make sure that we don't allow it to, to build up and, and to fester and cause us to sin and cause us to cause more damage to a situation than there already is. But when it comes to lashing out against God, that's when you really have an issue. So I do hope and pray that, that this episode will help us uh, to avoid that and understand that God is there for us when we lose a loved one. He's the God of all comfort who comforts us. He is our refuge and strength to who we go to. We look unto Him for our our help. 
He is the one who loves us and is compassionate toward us. He he hears our cries. He hears our prayers. He's there for us. He's not the one that ought to take any kind of blame or anger from us. In fact, he's the one who gives us life. And the loved one that we lost, he gave them life too. And he brought us in each other's lives. And so these are things to remember. When you strive to weather the storm of anger during the grieving process. I want to share a few examples, as I mentioned, uh, from the Word of God uh, of individuals who were grieving the loss of a loved one. Now, again, I mentioned that the circumstances for me are different. Uh, he did not die of natural causes. It wasn't, it wasn't cancer. It wasn't, you know, a car wreck or something like that. This was something, this was suicide. And there are different emotions that come with that. Um, and just to be completely transparent and honest with you, there have been moments where I've been very angry uh, with him, uh, with the situation. But again, as I as I talk to you on this episode, I, I'm trying to work through this too. So I appreciate you listening, number one. But but also, I think if we can work through these examples together, we can see how we think sometimes, and how we've got to 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 transform the way that we think. So we can be who God wants us to be, and then we can live our lives in a healthy, right way. The first example is that of David. And David lost two sons. The first that we read about is in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Now, you may recall the context here, uh, but if not, I want to kind of give you a, a big picture view of what's happening. There's a time of peace here as David rules. and even though there is there is peace, and even though things are going well, of course there are still battles to be fought. Uh, and so the Ammonites and the Syrians were defeated. We read that in Second Samuel chapter ten. But you come to chapter eleven, and you find that in the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David did not. David stayed in Jerusalem, and there he saw the wife of Uriah the Hittite named Bathsheba. He saw her bathing on the roof. He wanted to have her for himself, covetousness, lust. He allowed that to fester. He allowed that to take root. As James says, James 1.13 and following, that when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. Sin, when it is finished or full grown, brings forth death. That's what happened here. David committed adultery as he slept with Bathsheba, who was the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Well, to try to... to uh, lessen the blow or the sting of that. He wants to bring Uriah home. He says, Uriah, listen, uh, come home. Take your shoes off. Stay a while. Go be with your wife. Uh, everything will be fine. I just want you to come home. But really, his motive was, you come home and lay with your wife. That way, when she's pregnant, hey, Uriah came home, remember? Well, Uriah wasn't going to do that. He was a man of great integrity. He wasn't going to go through with that, so he didn't. So how did David try to respond to that? He had Uriah put it on the front line. And in fact, he sent the message with Uriah. And Joab, David's commander, put Uriah on the front lines and he died. He was killed. So now David has been guilty of adultery and murder. And so when you come to chapter 12, Nathan the prophet comes and he tells him. He says, David, you are the man. You're the one who, who took something that didn't belong to you. And now there are going to be consequences. 
In verse 13 of chapter 12, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die, however, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also who was born to you shall surely die. There we learn that, that you can be forgiven, but there are still consequences. He said, listen, the Lord's put away your sin. You're, you've been forgiven of that. But the child that you have is going to die. David knew ahead of time that his son was going to die. Now, I want you to notice how he responds to the death of this child. The Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and it became ill. David, therefore, pleaded with God for the child. David fasted. He went in. He lay all night on the ground. The elders of the house arose and went to him to raise him up from the ground, but he would not. He wouldn't eat food with them even. Then on the seventh day it came to pass that the child died. The servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to him, and he would not heed our voice. How can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do us some harm. See, they were afraid that maybe he would burst out in a fit of rage and in anger. When David saw that his servants were whispering, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said to his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. So David, <laughs> listen to how he responded. David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, changed his clothes, and he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Yes, you heard that right. David just lost his child. He lost his son. He hasn't been eating. He's been grieving. Notice how he responded. Does he lash out? No, in fact, he anoints himself, changes his clothes, and he goes and he worships God. Then he went to his own house, and when he requested, they set food before him, and he ate. So naturally, the servants are confused. They said, what is this that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive, but when the child died, you rose and ate food. He said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him. He shall not return to me. David believed in the resurrection, didn't he? He believed that there was more to this life than, than just what we see now, that there, uh, there's life beyond the grave. And of course, we find that truth throughout Scripture. Yes, including in the Old Testament. They believed that there would be a resurrection of the dead. The New Testament confirms that, of course. But David responded in a different way, didn't he? Now, that's not to say he didn't care. He's grieving. And maybe at one point in time, he was angry at the situation, but he said, listen, he's dead. He's gone. And there's not a thing I can do to change that. David said, I can go to him. He can't come back to me. So David dealt with this these feelings in the right way, didn't he? 
It's amazing to consider how he responded. But I want you to remember how he responded when he lost this son. Now, again, he had anticipated it. He had been told it was going to happen. He kind of maybe had some time to prepare himself for this. But then his son Absalom dies. And with that, we go to 2 Samuel 18. And in 2 Samuel chapter 18, he finds out about Absalom's defeat and his death. The king had commanded them to deal gently with Absalom. All the people heard when the king gave all the captain's orders concerning Absalom. But Absalom would be killed. And when David hears of his death, he had a totally different response than when he had lost his son with Bathsheba. The king said to the Cushite, this is verse 32 of chapter 18, 2 Samuel, Is the young man Absalom safe? Cushite answered, May the enemies of my lord the king and all who rise against you to do harm be like that young man. In other words, yes, he's dead and gone. Verse 33 says, Then the king was deeply moved, and he went up to the chamber over the gate, and he wept. And as he went, he said thus, O my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died in your place. O Absalom, my son, my son. When you come into chapter 19, Joab was told, Behold, the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom. So the victory that day was actually turned into mourning for all the people. For the people heard it said that day, The king is grieved for his son. Verse 4, But the king covered his face. The king cried out with a loud voice, O my son Absalom, O Absalom, my son, my son. Did you notice the difference then in the grieving process? When he lost his first child, he was upset, but he handled it differently. This time it was sudden. When he heard of the news, he responded differently. You see, people grieve different. And sometimes it's not anger toward the person that died. Sometimes it's not even anger toward you. Sometimes it's not even anger toward God. Sometimes you're just angry. You're just you're just mad. It infuriates you, the whole situation. But again, we see the natural process of grieving for the example of David. I want to share two more examples very quickly. One is Job. You know, Job did the same thing that David did. Isn't that amazing? When Job lost all ten of his children, Job tore his robe, shaved his head, he fell to the ground and he worshiped God. He said, The Lord gives, the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job did not sin nor charge God with anything. Job didn't choose anger, did he? He went through this and said, You know what? I don't understand why this is happening to me, but God's still worthy to be praised. And that's really the whole point of the book of Job. God is always worthy of praise no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in. But there's Job, who responded that way. Now, did Job have any kind of anger? Friends, you could hear it in his voice during those speeches. But he didn't direct that toward God, did he? 
He was angry at the situation. I don't understand why my friends are being miserable comforters. I don't understand what I have done wrong. I wish I just had a day in court. I wish somebody would give me an opportunity to speak. So we see a natural emotion of anger that comes out at the situation. The final example, very quickly, is that of Mary and Martha, John chapter 11. And you remember that when when Lazarus, their brother, died, and Jesus delayed his coming. Remember what they said when they came to him? Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would still be alive. This goes back to that definition we discussed earlier. Sometimes we're angry at a higher power. Here, they, they kind of shift it toward Jesus, don't they? If you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. And you know, that feeling of anger might be something shifted toward you or someone else. If you would have been there, if you'd have been in the room, if you'd have gone in earlier, if you'd have talked to him more, maybe he wouldn't have died. And you can be angry at yourself. You can be angry at the person. You can be angry at other people, the situation. But don't allow that anger to be directed toward God. That's the whole point of this episode. When you grieve and you feel that emotion of anger, you're angry with yourself, with others, with the situation, be angry. That's natural. That's normal. But don't allow that anger to be channeled or turned toward God. We noticed the example of David. We briefly discussed the example of Job and Mary and Martha. Now, they were upset. Naturally, they lost a loved one. But they did not allow their anger to be geared toward God. And that's what we must not do when we grieve. Friends, I I hope and pray that, that this episode will help you. Maybe you just want to throw something. You're just so mad at everything. Again, understand that's normal and that's natural. But don't take your anger out on God. Take all that you're feeling, all that you've got. Cast all your burden on God. You know why? He cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7. I hope that this helps you. I hope that this will help you in the future. And let's all try our very best not to allow anger to build up in our heart, but to put everything in our heart and take it to God in prayer and trust Him all the way. May God bless you as you weather the storm. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, and please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.